Section 15 of the Algonquin Legends of New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Algonquin Legends of New England, or Myths and Folklore of the Micmac, Passamaquoddy, and Penobscot Tribes, by Charles Godfrey Leland. How Kluskup Changed Certain Saucy Indians into Rattlesnakes. Passamaquoddy. You know Atosis the snake? Well, the worst of all is rattlesnake. Long time ago the rattlesnakes were saucy Indians. They were very saucy. They had too much face. They could not be put down by much, and they got up for very little. When the great flood was coming, Kluskip told them about it. They said they did not care. He told them the water would come over their heads. They said they would be very wet. He told them to be good and quiet and pray. Then those Indians hurrahed. He said, A great flood is coming. Then they gave three cheers for the great flood. He said, The flood will come and drown you all. Then these Indians hurrahed again and got their rattles, made of turtle shells in the old fashion, fastened together, filled with pebbles, and rattled them and had a grand dance. Afterwards, when the white men brought cows and oxen into the country, they made rattles of horns. Yes, they had a great dance. The rain began to fall, but they danced. The thunder roared, and they shook their rattles and yelled at it. Then Kluskip was angry. He did not drown them in the flood, however, but he changed them into rattlesnakes. Nowadays, when they see a man coming, they lift their heads and move them about. That's the way snakes dance and they shake their rattles in their tails just as Indians shake their rattles when they dance. How do you like such music? A Passamaquoddy tale related by an old woman to Mrs. W. Wallace Brown. These Indians still keep up a very curious snake dance. How Kluskup bound Wukowsin, the great wind bird, and made all the waters in the world stagnant. Passamaquoddy The Indians believe in a great bird called by them Wukowsin, or Wukowsen, meaning wind-blow, or the wind-blower, who lives far to the north, and sits upon a great rock at the end of the sky. And it is because whenever he moves his wings, the wind blows they of old times called him that. When Kluskup was among men, he often went out in his canoe, with bow and arrow to kill sea-fowl. At one time it was every day very windy. It grew worse, and at last it blew a tempest, and he could not go out at all. Then he said, Wukowsen, the great bird has done this. He went to find him. It was long ere he reached his abode. He found sitting on a high rock a large white bird. Grandfather, said Kluskup, you take no compassion on your Kusesik, your grandchildren. You have caused this wind and storm. It is too much. Be easier with your wings. The giant bird replied, I have been here since ancient times. In the earliest days, ere aught else spoke, I first moved my wings. Mine was the first voice, and I will ever move my wings as I will. Then Kluskup rose in his might. He rose to the clouds. He took the great bird giant Wukowsen as though he were a duck, and he tied both his wings and threw him down into a chasm between deep rocks, and left him lying there. The Indians could now go out in their canoes all day long for there was a dead calm for many weeks and months, and with that all the waters became stagnant. They were so thick that Kluskup could not paddle his canoe. Then he thought of the great bird, and he went to see him. 
As he had left him, so he found him, for Wukowsen is immortal. So, raising him, he put him on his rock again and untied one of his wings. Since then the winds have never been so terrible as in the old times. The reader will find the main incident of this story repeated in Tumakunteo, the broken wing, from the Micmac in which there is no mention of Kluskip. This of Wukowsen is from the Passamaquoddy manuscript collection by Lewis Mitchell. It is unquestionably the original. Kluskip, as the greatest magician, most appropriately subdues the giant eagle of the north, the terrible god of the storm. No one who knows the Edda will deny that Wukowsen, or the wind-blower, as he appears in the Passamaquoddy tale, is far more like the same bird of the Norsemen than the grotesque thunderbird of the western tribes. He is distinctly spoken of by the Indians of Maine as a giant and a bird in one, sitting on a high cliff at the end of the sky, the wind, not thunder, coming from his pinions. Tell me, ninthly, since thou art called wise, whence the wind comes that over ocean passes, itself invisible to man. Raisbelg, he is called, who at the end of heaven sits, a jotun, giant, in eagle's plumage, from his wings comes, it is said, the wind, that over all men passes. The Lay of Vethrundnir, the Edda, translated by Beethorpe. How Kluskup conquered the great bullfrog, and in what manner all the pollywogs, crabs, leeches, and other water-creatures were created. Passamaquoddy and Micmac Nukarnu, of old times, there was an Indian village far away among the mountains, little known to other men and the dwellers therein were very comfortable. The men hunted every day, the women did the work at home, and all went well in all things, save in this. The town was by a brook, and except in it there was not a drop of water in all the country round, unless in a few rain-puddles. No one there had ever even found a spring. Now these Indians were very fond of good water. The brook was of superior quality, and they became dainty over it. But after a time they began to observe that the brook was beginning to run low, and that not in the summer-time, but in autumn, even after the rains, and day by day it diminished, until its bed was as dry as a dead bone in the ashes of a warm fire. Now it was said that far away, up in the land where none had ever been there, was on this very stream another Indian village. But what manner of men dwelt therein no one knew and, thinking that these people of the upper country might be in some way concerned in the drought, they sent one of their number to go and see into the matter. And after he had travelled three days he came to the place, and there he found that a dam had been raised across the rivulet, so that no water could pass, for it was all kept in a pond. Then asking them why they had made this mischief, since the dam was of no use to them, they bade him go and see their chief, by whose order this had been built. And when he came to him, lo! There lay lazily in the mud a creature who was more of a monster than a man, though he had a human form, for he was immense to measure, like a giant, fat, bloated, and brutal to behold. His great yellow eyes stuck from his head like pine-knots, his mouth went almost from ear to ear, and he had broad, skinny feet with long toes exceeding marvellous. The messenger complained to the monster, who at first said nothing, and then croaked and finally replied in a loud bellow, "'Do as you choose, do as you choose, do as you choose. What do I care? What do I care? What do I care? If you want water, if you want water, if you want water, 
go somewhere else. Then the messenger remonstrated and described the suffering of the people who were dying of thirst. And this seemed to please the monster, who grinned. At last he got up and, making a single spring to the dam, took an arrow and bored a hole in it, so that a little water trickled out. And then he bellowed, Up and be gone, up and be gone, up and be gone. So the man departed, little comforted. He came to his home, and for a few days there was a little water in the stream, but this soon stopped, and there was great suffering again. Now these Indians, who were the honestest fellows in all the world, and never did harm to anyone save their enemies, were in a sorry pickle, for it is a bad thing to have nothing but water to drink, but to want that is to be mightily dry. And the great Kluskip, who knew all that was passing in the hearts of men and beasts, took note of this, and when he willed it he was among them, for he ever came as the wind comes, and no one wist how. And just before he came all of these good fellows had resolved in council that they would send the boldest man among them to certain death, even to the village which built the dam that kept the water, which filled the brook that quenched their thirst whenever it was not empty. And when there he was either to obtain that they should cut the dam, or do something desperate, and to this intent he should go armed, and sing his death-song as he went. And they were all agog. Then Kluskip, who was much pleased with all this, for he loved a brave man, came among them looking terribly ferocious. In all the land there was not one who seemed half so horrible, for he appeared ten feet high, with a hundred red and black feathers in his scalp-lock, his face painted like fresh blood with green rings round his eyes, a large clam-shell hanging from each ear, a spread eagle, very awful to behold, flapping its wings from the back of his neck, so that as he strode into the village all hearts quaked. Being but simple Indians, they counted that this must be, if not the locks, the great wolverine, at least Michihant, the devil himself in person, turned Wabanaki, and they admired him greatly, and the squaws said they had never seen aught so lovely. Then Kluskip, having heard the whole story, bade them to be of good cheer, declaring that he would soon set all to rights, and he, without delay, departed up the bed of the brook and coming to the town sat down and bade a boy bring him water to drink to which the boy replied that no water could be had in the town unless it were given out by the chief go then to your chief said the master and bid him hurry or verily i will know the reason why and this being told kluskip received no reply for more than an hour during which time he sat on a log and smoked his pipe then the boy returned with a small cup and this not half full of very dirty water. So he arose and said to the boy, I will go and see your chief, and I think he will soon give me better water than this. And having come to the monster, he said, Give me to drink, and that of the best at once, thou thing of mud. But the chief reviled him, and said, Get thee hence to find water where thou canst. Then Kluskup thrust a spear into his belly, and lo, there gushed forth a mighty river, even all the water which should have run on in the rivulet, for he had made it into himself. And Kluskup, rising high as a giant pine, caught the chief in his hand and crumpled his back with a mighty grip. And lo, it was the bullfrog. So he hurled him with contempt into the stream to follow the current. And ever since that time the bullfrog's back has crumpled wrinkles in the lower part, showing the prints of Kluskup's awful squeeze. 
Then he returned to the village. But there he found no people. No, not one. For a marvelous thing had come to pass during his absence, which shall be heard in every Indian speech through all the ages. For the men, being, as I said, simple, honest folk, did as boys do when they're hungry, and they say to one another, What would you like to have, and what you? Truly, I would be pleased with a slice of hot venison dipped in maple sugar and bear's oil. Nay, give me for my share succotash and honey. Even so, these villagers had said, Suppose you had all the nice, cold, fresh, sparkling, delicious water there is in the world, what would you do? And one said that he would live in the soft mud, and always be wet and cool, and another that he would plunge from the rocks and take headers, diving into the deep cold water drinking as he dived, and the third that he would be washed up and down with the rippling waves, living on the land, yet ever in the water. Then the fourth said, Verily, you know not how to wish, and I will teach you. I would live in the water all the time, and swim about in it forever. Now it chanced that these things were said in the hour which, when it passes over the world, all the wishes uttered by men are granted. And so it was with these Indians. For the first became a leech, the second a spotted frog, the third a crab, which is washed up and down with the tide, and the fourth a fish. Ere there had been in all the world none of these creatures which dwelled in the water, and now were there, and of all kinds. And the river came rushing and roaring on, and they all went headlong down to the sea to be washed into many lands all over the world. This was told by Tama Josephs. It is given much more imperfectly in the tale of Kitpusiganau in the Rand manuscript, and in the Anglo-Indian story of Kluskup. I have taken very great pains in this, as in all the tales written down from verbal narration, to be accurate in details, and to convey as well as I could the quaint manner and dry humor which characterized the style of the narrator. Even the white men do not tell the same story in the same way to everybody, and if Tomaka and others fully expressed their feelings to me, it was because they had never before met with a white man who listened to them with such sympathy. It may be observed that the Indians commonly say that wherever a bullfrog is to be found in summer, there is always water. It is not to be understood in this tale that the bullfrog is supposed to have merely drunk up the river. It is the river which has become incarnate in him. It is the ice of winter penetrated by the spear of the sun, that is, Kluskip. Thus, in another tale, a frozen river tries, as a man, to destroy the hero, but is melted by him. The conception of the hour when all wishes are granted, and the abrupt termination of the whole in a grand transformation scene, are both very striking. There is something like the former in Rabelais in his narration of the golden hatchet. As regards to the latter, it's like the ending of a Christmas pantomime. Indeed, the entire tale is perfectly adapted to such a dramatization. I have been told by an old Passamaquoddy woman that the name of the monster who swallowed the stream was Haklebimo. End of section 15